following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. First thing I'm going to do a lot of coke. Yeah. And then... I'm going to buy a shotgun! Whoa, dude! That's scary. So the craziest thing just happened. I just got some weird fucking news, man. What kind of news did you get, Greg? Well, you're never going to guess. I, I, I'm i not. Mickey Rooney what? is going to play the what? Ursine lead in a new movie called Cocaine Bear. Whoa, you mean the one directed by the beautiful and talented Elizabeth Banks? The very same. I'm pretty sure Mickey Rooney died in 2014, but I would love to see this happen, my man. Well, his soul died when he shot Breakfast at Tiffany's. And mine died when I watched Breakfast at Tiffany's. So one thing is absolutely for certain here. We're going to have a lot of angry bears after this movie comes out. So how are you going to prepare, my friend? With a lot of cocaine, Greg. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. And then I'm going to find myself a bear. You're going to maybe put a bear trap out there, maybe catch him? No, I'm not really the Jack Ketchum type. I just, uh, I'm going to go out to the woods, do a bunch of cocaine, which of course is just like grilling steaks on the fire and attract myself a bear. Okay, okay. And uh, when this bear approaches, horny and curious... What you gonna do? Rub its belly. Oh, it's like that, huh? Yeah. You think uh, we're gonna just gonna tame some bears? Like this this cocaine bear apocalypse is gonna occur, and we're just gonna fucking rub their bellies? Are you insane? Yes, I am insane. It's about as sane as Mickey Rooney is on a bender. Well, you know what happens when he goes on a bender? He gets really racist. Yeah, he puts in some fake teeth, and he pins his eyes back, and he just creates the worst cinematic atrocity of all time. Instead of pronouncing the L, he just says an R. Fuck. You disturb me. I want to grow fast. Hey, everybody. We're We're damn. That's from the bear pot. Oh. I cannot sleep. That's right, everybody. My name is Micah. I'm coming out of Reno. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. I'm drinking Jack Daniels. I'm fired up. I'm full of cocaine. More cocaine than a bear can handle. Over there in Buffalo, New York, I got I am also on ridiculous amounts of cocaine. Your pupils are huge. And I'm in a champagne supernova in the sky. Where we while we were getting drunk. Oh boy, my guy. I yeah. could have done without that. Yeah. Right? I'm just here to remind you that Oasis still exists. Uh do they though? Mm, not in their original form, but I think once they divided. They only became more powerful. 
isn't one of them in the gorillas? I mean, fucking probably, right? I don't know. They're all fucking British. The other one died of a heroin overdose, allegedly. So, oh, in the end, who really gives a shit? But my watermelons are safe. That's the important thing. It sure is, man. Yeah. Anyone Uh, anyone hear that last episode, you know what we're talking about. Yeah, a couple episodes ago. That was the last one. The time that Gallagher died. A tragedy. Really. Sure. You're looking at me like you don't care about Gallagher. I'm looking at you like uh, like a bear full of cocaine. Also, hmm. give me a quick second here. I want to take a screenshot. What? Because I don't know if you can see yourself right now, but you like look like B. Arthur. I don't look like B. Arthur. You look like, no, not B. Arthur. You look like fucking Estelle Getty. <laughs> Why do I look like Estelle Getty? Not a bad question, Bert. This is a hat. Oh, this is the worst looking hat I ever saw. Yeah, Stel Getty looking motherfucker. You look All like right, you know what? No, no enough. Enough of that. Golden enough of girl. that. Greg, hey. Greg, we have a new format. We have to stick to it. It's time to apologize. Okay, well, first let me thank you. Yeah. For being a friend. Go fuck yourself. Matt? Thank you. Ooh, thank you Matt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would uh, like to uh, buck tradition. Oh. By going first this time, and I think oh. my apology is a, almost a mutual apology. I will speak for myself, but at the same time, uh, you know, you may agree. Uh, well, I, I normally don't agree with you, but okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, here we go. We received some listener feedback recently that some, if not most, of the language we use on this show could and would be interpreted as somewhat insensitive. Or even downright offensive. I know what you're talking about. You know, this has occurred to me in the past. And yet, regardless, we have forged ever onward, bravely neglecting to check ourselves and heroically bringing our audience the purest, most uncut content that we can muster. Yes. And while I would normally never consider a complaint from our audience or apologize with any actual sincerity. I think this time is an exception. And I'd like to say that I'm sorry for my overuse of the word (laughs) When it comes down to it, it's antiquated, it's outdated, inappropriate, and maybe the one word that is guaranteed to offend just about anyone. So, I will pledge right here and now to cease and desist all use of the word Oh my god. And I'd like to take this time for myself and my (laughs) co-host to brainstorm some alternatives. Would you like to go first? I would like to start describing people as a Mickey Rooney. A Mickey Rooney works. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe, um... How about a Wonder Wall? I mean, we already use. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. We got the old uh, take her to the zoo. Uh, okay. A zoo file, maybe we could say a zoo file. Ooh, I like that. As a matter of fact, Greg, I think that's more impressive than. So you know what? I'm gonna start calling people. All right, all right. You're being a regular old over there. 
Well, uh, we could just, uh, we could just use the stand-in Willem Dafoe. You're being a real Willem Dafoe. Man, you're being a real Corey Haim right now. You could be, uh, just a meatloaf. A real Glenn. Bit of a bobcat. You're a real furlong, Greg. Well, I've always thought a, a nice insult would just be to call one a walrus. You mean alleged rapist Justin Long? Instead of using the word we're just going to call you alleged rapist Justin Long from now on. No, yeah. I like yeah, it. Or, I just, like or it. just walrus for short. Yeah, or just or Tom walrus. Jones. Yeah, walrus. Because um, we can't say we can't say we just have walrus. to go with walrus from now walrus. on. And for that, I apologize. Yes, yes, yes. Regular Daniel Day-Lewis. Yeah. Uh, A real walrus. But I uh, I would also like to apologize to Audrey Hepburn. I would like to apologize to uh, uh, world-famous homosexual Truman Capote. And I would also like to apologize to uh, Mickey Rooney and the rest of the cast from Breakfast at Tiffany's. Well, I can't uh, imagine why, but go ahead. Uh, uh, because we brought attention to that abomination of a movie. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, it probably only hurts his career. Like, wait a minute. Is he dead? Is he gay? I think Truman Capote is a proud homosexual. I don't know about Rooney so much. No, oh, man, dude. Mickey Rooney is like uh, uh, a gay racist Danny DeVito. He certainly has the stature for it. Absolutely. And uh, for that, Audrey, Truman Capote, and Mickey Rooney, I'm sorry. Okay. I'm sure I care just as much as they do. So, with that over with, how would you like to get into our feature film of the week? I would like to get into it as much as I would like to get into a four-door sedan Batista. We are following up on the 2007 classic, 2005's Feast. This is Feast 2, the second outing by John Gulager, 2008. And I have to ask you, buddy, why is it called Sloppy Seconds? I really, I don't understand. I don't get the reference. Well, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that this movie is a sloppy mess, but good God, do I fucking love it. Okay, well, it is a lot like Feast 1, but it is improved considerably by the inclusion of both boobs and some midgets. Yeah, uh, I don't think we're allowed to say that anymore. I'm going to get a talking to. Well, <laughs> I guess we know what the apology corner is going to be next week. <laughs> that's right we are covering feast two sloppy seconds the monsters from the first film have made it into a small neighboring town in the middle of nowhere and the locals have to band with the survivors of the bar slaughter mm -hmm. to figure out how to survive yep. we got ourselves a whole new list of characters including oh, yeah. some of the original ones sure. uh we also uh talk about a couple of the original characters that never fucking show up nope. uh but that's neither here nor there so greg why don't you give us my favorite part of the episode? Our list of characters. Okay. Fuck face. And just like our last episode, Feast 1, I'm going to go in order of appearance, and I'm largely taking these descriptions from the on-screen characterizations that they give us. Yeah. So my job is easy here. Thank, Thank you. you. Our first and most important character is... 
one by the name of Biker Queen. The Biker Queen, Diana Ayala Goldner. Biker Queen is, of course, Biker Mom from Feast One's twin sister. Whoa! They are basically identical in every way, and it's almost like she never died in the first movie, so we can just go on uh, acting like nothing ever changed. This kind of reminds me of, uh, you know that Broken Lizard movie, Beer Fest? Oh my god, of course I do. Yeah, where the big uh, old fat guy, he dies, and then his brother comes in, takes his place, no big deal. I love that. Yeah, I absolutely a, love it's that. It's a beautiful trope. It's a perfect thing to do in your screenplay. I'm all for it. Yeah, uh, of course, this is also the wife of the director, uh, John Gulliger. Yes, the well-endowed wife of director John Gulliger. The tittery is strong with this one, Greg. So next we have another returning character by the name of bartender Clue Gulager. Fuck yeah, dude. The Fuck man. Yeah. The myth. The legend. He is an abandoned former Marine tep jockey. A survivor of the first feast. And it basically looks like he aged about 10 years since the last one. But he remains a no-nonsense badass. And we will see at one point in this film exactly how badass he can be. Oh, wait till we cover part three where he's even badass-er. I love me some Clue Gulager. <laughs> Father of the Gulager brothers from Oasis. <laughs> More importantly, we have the tag team luchador duo, Thunder and Lightning. Yeah, dude. They are a pair of giant dicked midget sex fiends. Excellent. Goddamn right. Well, at least one of them. Yeah. Yeah, they are world-class wrestlers. They are ass stabbers. And unfortunately, they are not so high flyers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But moving on is a character by the name of Simply Hobo. With a shotgun? Well, with a stack of dynamite anyway. Yeah, okay. He is a former child prodigy, a blue ribbon science whiz, a meth cook, a glorious pervert, a dynamite smuggler, and he is uh, Bozo's uncle. I believe, from the first film. Yeah, absolutely. One of the survivors from the first film. This is William Prale, yeah. who is known for uh, his acting chops in The Collector. Yeah. Dracula 2000. Of course. He also shows up in the sequel to Feast 2, Feast 3. Feast 3, yeah, that's the next uh, one. Pulse 2 and Pulse 3. Yeah, he's a real sequel kind of guy. You know what? He totally is. He's in a bunch of fucking sequels. He's in a Children of the Corn movie that came out in 99. It better not be the fucking first one. No, he's in Prophecy Part 2. Good, good, good. Okay. He's in Children of the Corn Part 4. Yes. That's another Children of the Corn movie. Fuck yeah. He's in King of the Jungle Part 2. He's in a movie called The Third Watch, which I can only imagine is the third installment of the original film. The Watch. It ain't the first watch. It ain't the second watch. Texas Rangers, which is a sequel to Texas Ranger. Great. He's really good at sequels, Greg. Yeah, this man is nothing if not consistent. Yeah, he's in a movie called Blacklist, sequel to Whitelist. <laughs> it was a bad joke, but I'm sticking to it. Who writes this shit? Moving on, we have Slasher, 
not to be confused with the podcast of the same name who frequently give out free t-shirts. I'm wearing my free t-shirt from the Slashers podcast right now. Me too, but mine's a bootleg. And it has the N-word on it. Nope, I scribbled that one right out because I'm a upstanding citizen. Good call. Good call. <laughs> Slasher is a sleazy used car salesman, a potty-mouthed price slasher, a cowardly misogynist, a cigar smoker, and a disgraced cuckold. Yeah, this is Carl Anthony Payne II. You may remember him from the TV series Martin, where he played as Cole Brown, Martin's neighbor. Of course, of course. And next we have Secrets. Secrets. Who is Slasher's philandering wife? Secrets. An empowered female. Secrets. A delusional psychic. And a useless, cheating sex worker. Secrets. To use the parlance of our times. Yeah, this is Johanna Putnam. You were a good whore. Uh, she is also uh, known for her role in Shutterbugs. Okay. And uh, who could forget 2006's Nightmare Man? I certainly did not. Eh, she's in a bunch of shit. And last, but certainly not least... My favorite character, your favorite character, the biggest, bestest badass of this film, a little man that we just like to call a Greg Swank. Greg Swank? Come on, Greg. He is a car lot employee of the month. He is a ne'er-do-well with a mustache. What are you, my dad? He is an autopsy specialist, coxman, and true American hero. Yeah, we are talking about none other than Tom Gulliger, who is the son of John Gulliger. Yeah, no the shit. The director of the movie, who is the son of Biker Mom, Biker yeah. Queen, or whatever, Biker fucking bitch, whatever her fucking name is. And he looks exactly like Saul Goodman. To a fucking T, Greg. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, to the point that I feel like Saul Goodman's look was like more or less based upon this man. Yeah, he's in uh, The Collector where he plays a cop. Uh, he's in a movie called Rise. Uh, he's in a movie called Near. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, you know what? He's also in a movie called Feast 3, The Happy Finish. Possibly the best of the Feast movies. Well, all right, Greg, since that's our list of characters, how about we get into the plot, huh? Sorry, I dropped my pen. I feel bad. My pen! Remember that New Kids in the Hall show? New Kids New Kids in the Hall, remember that? Remember, remember that show? Yeah. Remember that one they had that bit where he's like, my pen, my pen! It's the guy who had the lettuce head. Remember the guy with the lettuce head? Remember the lettuce head? Hey, I found it, so you can stop doing this now. My pen! My pen, my pen, my salsa. Okay, Walrus, let's get right into the plot. Whoop, 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 whoop! We pick up right where Feast 1 left off, with our surviving Ex heroes taking off in their barely running Trans Am, seeking safety wherever they can find it. Yeah, but who comes rolling up to the rubble, Greg? Well, this is Biker Mom. Just kidding. It's now Biker Queen. She looks exactly the fucking same. 
She's wearing the same clothes. She's got the same tattoos. She might as well be the same character. But now, she's a queen. And she Jesus. is shooting a German Shepherd dog way too many times with a shotgun for any of us to be comfortable watching it. Yeah, that, uh, oh man, that part really sucked. I forgot that happened. I haven't seen Beast 2 since it first came out. Uh, and, uh, man, oh man, I tell you what, I could have done without that shit. She eventually removes a hand from its dying mouth and discovers that it is her sister's based on a tattoo that they both had along their thumbs. Yeah, they're real big fans of the Boondock Saints, because it yeah. was basically the same fucking tattoo that those two brothers had. It was hard to make out, but one of them, I think, said Scissor. And then the other side said Me Timbers. Yeah, so that's how you know you're close. Yeah, so basically she is the lesbian lover of the biker mom from the first movie that got blown up after she got face-fucked by one of the monsters. Incestuous lesbian lover, let's not forget that. Because they're sisters. Yeah, we're also making some bold assumptions here. Oh, you know they fucking scissor each other. What else are they going to do? But anyway, she finds bartender Clue under a truck and drags him back to her bike, demanding to know who killed her sister and where she can find him. She wants answers, and I love that Clue is totally selling the fact that his jugular was cut open about a fucking, what, 30 minutes prior to this? And, of course, she pistol whips him and takes him down the road on the back of her bike. Yeah, in hopes to find the person that actually killed her sister. But we all know that it was really the monsters that did it. Right, it really wasn't any specific character that killed her. She, uh, was, really, she was one of the first the first ones to die, technically. Yeah, she, she got her leg chopped off and she just kind of slept the whole time. And he wasn't really there to see her wake up. Uh, while they were putting a bomb inside of her and she got face fucked by a beast and exploded jism out of her mouth and then oh she spit so much cum blew up from the explosive inside her you know now that i'm thinking about it bozo was the one who armed and detonated that explosive so maybe he was at fault yeah but it's kind of a technicality she wasn't gonna survive that fucking leg chop though dude. yeah she was, she was dead she was dead Especially considering what these characters do later in this film to survive. Oh. I don't think he did anything quite as bad as that, but we'll get there. No, we will get there, my man. So, meanwhile, we have Thunder waiting in a hotel room while his brother Lightning copulates with a whore. Whore! He is going to Poundtown, USA, population his dick. And these, of course, are our little person uh wrestling aficionados professionals really one in the mask the other with a bulbous skull they are a devastating duo of the tiny ring and they're also big fans of uh let's just say exchanging money for intercourse yeah they're uh, regular old johns but they're also regular old professional wrestlers who also like to exchange money for intercourse. I used to be a professional wrestler, so I know this shit, Greg. Yeah, they, you you guys all fucking bang whores. Uh, they're called ring rats. But of course, the beasts attack their hotel room, and uh, the prostitute you... unceremoniously gets bored. 
Ah, the sex worker. She gets bored. She's dead forever. Go fuck yourself. But she died what she loves doing, and that's fucking little people. Moving on, we see Hobo sitting in a jail cell, who, of course, is Bozo's uncle or some shit. And I think they they named them similarly just so they have that dichotomy, Hobo. Hobo, Bozo. Oh, two syllables. That's fun. Four Yeah, I feel like there's some screenwriter being clever. Oh, yeah. He's sitting in a jail cell. While an abusive sheriff torments him, he accuses him of everything under the sun. He even spits on him, asking about his meth operation, where he's cooking the meth, where's your RV, blah, 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 Breaking Bad, all that bullshit. And once again, you know, we're getting used to this. The beasts attack and everyone gets bored. Everybody gets bored. I love that. Go fuck yourself. You're dead forever. Yeah, you're fucking dead forever. I love that the beasts in this movie aren't like they were the like the way they were in the first one where they were kind of like hiding shielding themselves with like uh the capes the capes the fucking mask that they were wearing and yeah, shit the, straight the up bones. aggressive predators in this one oh they let their dicks hang out they're over sexualized ultra violent i love this shit so our next scene involves slasher who is sitting in his car lot office yeah he's a-, a friend about the suspected infidelity of his wife yeah, but as uh, you know, most used car salesmen, he's sleazy as fuck. Greg is sleazy as fuck. His wife, sleazy as fuck. They're all fucking sleazeballs. And of course, the beasts attack. Everyone gets bored. Everybody gets bored. You're dead forever. Yep. Go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself. So, Slasher naturally flees in his car, finding his mostly nude wife, fucking his employee Greg, in the back seat. Come on, Greg. Come on, Greg. Yeah, so Slasher totally finds Greg fucking his wife in the back seat. By the way, his mm-hmm. as we all know, his wife's name is Secrets. Secrets. Uh, but apparently she keeps a lot of secrets, including fucking the employee of the month, uh, uh, Greg. Greg. But uh, they narrowly escape the fucking monsters that are attacking and destroying this town completely, which, my God, this overhead view of the, the monster's fucking everybody up in this small town rivals that of uh 30 days of night the aerial view of the vampires just fucking cutting through everybody i fucking love this scene so goddamn there was a really nice one in the uh, Zack snyder remake of gone of the dead yeah that's really good too i love that overhead of just everything going on like that original grand theft auto view of the city but as this is going on we got Biker Queen and four of her friends who are biker babes. They show up to town with bartenders strapped to the back. And I love that they are completely ignoring the amount of dead bodies that are piled up fucking everywhere just to find Bozo. Oh my god, dead bodies are littering the streets. So they decide to just take a real slow look around. None of them are really good actors, but... God damn, are they hot. Well, Slasher and his friends, by which I mean his wife and the man that she's fucking, are hiding in a boarded-up office when Biker Queen confronts them looking for her sister's killer. Yeah, that whole scene was a lot of fun because it's a lot between uh, Greg and Slasher. It's like, oh, we got to go find these people. Secrets is all like, oh, I summoned them with my brain because she's all into fucking Zodiac medium or something. Yeah, she's she's throwing out tarot cards. She's rubbing crystals on her fucking. Who fucking knows what she's doing? 
She's dropping zinc into a fucking bowl and leaving it in the moonlight. Like, who fucking knows? Yeah, doing uh, fucking bowls of cocaine just like the northern boys and the bears do. <laughs> Some kind of monster, yeah, yeah. Some kind That's of walrus time. bear who's addicted to drugs. Oh, you just described me, my man. <laughs> Still getty. <laughs> to understand that in future jokes, check out our Twitter feed. Damn that scary pod. Yay! So they are interrupted by a car flying through the air and a giant beast hoofing it down the street like some kind of Kenyan sprinter. My God, I had no idea that these monsters were so strong. They yeah. could have ripped down uh, a, a boarded up shitty ass door to a bar, but apparently <laughs> they could chuck cars across the city like they're the goddamn monster from Cloverfield. Yeah, it's almost amazing that anybody survived in that first movie, huh? They killed Henry Rollins, but <laughs> go fuck me, right? Okay! Anyway, our heroes lock themselves inside this office, but hilariously, the back wall comically falls flat like some kind of Looney Tunes bit. Well, that was fun. Everyone just runs for cover. And yes, I actually really enjoyed this scene. I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed this whole movie. It's a good time. Goddamn. Um, so they scramble around the scene like some kind of Benny Hill skit for a little bit. And eventually, <laughs> they find Bozo's apartment. And they end up in a Mexican standoff with what I think is just like a family who's staying there. I'm not actually sure who So this, this is like a real, uh, like a Pulp Fiction scene. Yeah. You know, uh, he's drinking a fucking big kahuna shake, eating a big kahuna burger, uh, and then there's a shootout. Everybody fucking dies that yep. that that don't have tits. Slasher shows don't like to be fucked by nobody but Mrs. Slasher. <laughs> have you seen Marsalis Wallace? What does he look like? Does he look like a beast? <laughs> Hilariously, Clue Gallagher busts out the line here. Shit fire and save matches, which I thought was uh, amazing, but I've never heard anyone anywhere say that before. I don't know where that comes from. Is that a regional thing? Some of our fans out there who uh, maybe come from one of the walrus regions of the United States, uh, just let us know, I guess. So you could put that up against Roddy Piper saying, chew bubblegum and kick ass, but I'm all out of bubblegum. Like, my God, that is fucking a, a great fucking quote. Yeah, it's literally perfect. But uh, it, regardless, it really our bikers decide to fuck up this entire family of people. They waste no time. They fire the first shots. There's like a teenage boy getting shot in the neck. There's a, a father getting executed with a shotgun. One of the, the bikers family. literally destroys somebody's skull with two hammers like some kind of Viking god. I love that. That was like, those were like ballpoint hammers. Ballpoint hammers, too. Oh, it is brutal, but amazing. You're not going to pull any nails out with those, but you can hammer at any angle you want thanks to the other end that is rounded off. I believe they called it a ball peen. Oh, I said ball point, didn't I? Ball point hammers. Correct. But who comes creeping around the corner, Greg? We are reintroduced to Honey Pie, the dumb blonde from Feast 1 who took her boobs and ran, leaving everyone for dead. That's right. If you don't know who we're talking about, check out our last episode. 
not our last episode, but the episode before that, where we actually talk about Honey Bee from the first Feast movie. Yeah, it was our last episode. We're doing a different format now. We're doing like two episode chunks. There's an A and a B. Uh, you know, we're all getting used to it together. It's not. Yeah, you know what? I'm still confused by it. That's because you're a walrus. You're a real. Take it to the zoo. So Clue wastes no time. Cold cocking Blondie in the face. He calls her a chicken shit and starts bashing her head off of a toilet and eventually just Tyson's her ear right off. This scene is fucking amazing. And it is also my favorite part of the movie where you think that you're just going to have Clue slap her around a little bit. No, Clue beats the fucking shit out of her he really goes overboard he fucking throws her into a wall he gives her wet willies he bashes her head against the toilet he fucking drops elbows on her the hulk hogan leg drop a big boot he gives her wet willies he stabs her bites her claws at her he gives her wet willies and this scene goes on forever dude but she eventually takes the upper hand by pointing a gun at him which Queenie immediately recognizes as her sister's, probably because of the giant engraving on the sign. On the sign. That says, Biker Mom. Uh, and I think on the other side it says, Scissor Me Timbers. Yep, and she takes this opportunity to immediately push Blondie's boobs straight out the window. Yay! Ooh-wee. And right about this time, Slasher gets a phone call on the street, and he gets Mr. Anderson. A little Matrix reference there for you. I like it. Towards a safe house by Thunder, who is on the other end of the line. Yeah. Joined by Queenie and her gang, they all just kind of push their way into the, uh, I think it's a metal shop, where our luchador friends are staying. Yeah, it's like a like a garage. Lightning, particularly, is overjoyed to see that they have rescued some quote-unquote viable yeah oh man oh man if there's one thing i love it is viable you and me both my walrus friend that's right and he reveals that they have previously killed the beast by stabbing it in the ass yes because what one man can do another can do god damn right i killed the motherfucker i stabbed his ass they literally (laughs) stabbed his ass yes with they a screwdriver stab- that said the word luck on it. Yeah, they stabbed uh, Alec Baldwin in the ass with Lucky. Which is hilarious, because yeah. uh, they were like, how'd you kill it? Oh, we got Lucky. Okay, good. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also, Alec Baldwin's favorite movie is Human Centipede. A little questionable. Like I, I can't imagine that anybody would say that in any kind of seriousness. Yep, he loves Tom Six. And he also went on to uh, shoot somebody on the set of a cowboy movie that no one's ever going to see. Yeah, Cowboys vs. Aliens Part 2. Fuck you! That's my name! (laughs) Never thought I'd say this, but maybe be more like Billy. Yeah, yep. Oh, Billy. All of our heroes decide they need to bust into the jail across the street where Hobo is hiding. He's got himself barricaded in. No one's coming in. No one's coming out. It is the ultimate safe house. It is made of pure fucking quartz or something like that. I don't know what they said. Yeah. But it is impenetrable to all uh, beasts. Yeah. They're like, oh, my God, this is the safest place ever. But uh, 
I mean, they were fine where they were, right? Also, I'm a little confused because I'm not really sure how Hobo actually got out of his jail cell. He was locked up when the beasts attacked. Also, the beasts were inside the jail. What I mean, if you uh, if you watch the movie I watched, the beasts got tired of trying to get Hobo. They fucked off, but they also killed all the cops in the place. One of the mm-hmm. cops died against the jail cell, and you can sure. clearly see Hobo reaching into the cop's pocket, pulling out a set of keys. Oh, did I miss that part? Yep. Well, I guess I'm the walrus. <laughs> <laughs> and particularly interesting about this scene, Lightning and his diminutive friend were playing poker, he did place a very specific hand. Did you notice this as well? No, I don't pay attention to details. Oh, well, it is commonly known as the dead man's hand. It is aces over eights. Ooh. And this was a very clever but ominous bit of foreshadowing as to the fate of our tiny friend Lightning. Mm. Or Thunder, or whichever fucking one it was. Who cares? But his whole place sucks. So our Lucha Bros go on a mission to make a key, which I guess their whole thing is all we need to get into this jail is to just duplicate a key and we can break right in. Yeah, that was really confusing to me. So they're Lucha wrestlers, but they also have a key business where they make keys. Well, somehow they know how to do it. I mean, it's not exactly hard. I worked at a hardware store when i was a teenager and i used to do it all the time i think you're cool it's more just a matter of them having the power on to do it so this was a little bit of an issue because the power has been spotty yeah but meanwhile while they're doing this they have to go sneak into their key shop or whatever the fuck but our man greg craig decides that it is time for us to dissect the dead beast that the lucha bros had previously ass stabbed to death yeah the one stabbed in the ass for science Science! I like that Greg kind of takes the role of Henry Rollins in this movie. So, this beast's body is, of course, all gross and gassy. It starts spewing goo every which way. Greg frantically punches it to make it stop, which I think is the obvious solution to most problems. Of course, of course. Now, we haven't mentioned one of the characters, which is the luchador, the little luchador's grandmother. Mm-hmm. She's just kind of sitting quietly by. Yeah, well, she gets absolutely, uh, I'm going to say kind of bored in this scene. Just, yeah, let's say covered in bile. Yeah, uh, yeah, this is the part of the movie where we uh, we take it from being a really gross gory flick where monsters are ripping people to shreds fucking them fucking cats having a good time it just turns really gross she kind of fills the role of the uh, judah friedlander from the last one where she gets yeah. covered in some shit and slowly decays for the rest of the film oh man is she ever yeah and eventually the beast dick comes to life and flops around like it's a dropped fire hose Covering everyone's boobs, faces, and torsos in what I can only call beast jizz. Yeah, good old beast ejaculate. It's almost like one of those fucking uh, toys from the 90s that you hook up to the garden hose that just flops everywhere like a fucking noodle. But mainly it's the biker babes that get covered in in the jism. Meanwhile, Blondie searches for safety on the street and struggles to enter a building through the vents. Her boobs fall into the pawn shop 
from Pulp Fiction. And she goes through every blunt weapon she can find, trying to break the glass door open. Eventually, finding a key, but just in time, gets bored. Just kidding. She doesn't get bored. She kind of gets bored. It's a it's a fake out boring. What? It's more like she just kind of falls over and uh, lays down for a while. Yeah, she like knocks her head and she has some dreams. Yeah. Yeah. At this point, the beasts are now attacking our hero's safe house. Everyone flees to the roof. The Lucha Bros wisely shout, save that puss. <laughs> and Slasher wisely trips Greg down some stairs. In an act... Yeah. Of sabotage. Well, Greg's kind of a piece of shit. He's the reason why they're being attacked by monsters due to the mm-hmm. autopsy. It's like, what the fuck are these things, really? Yeah. Yeah, so they all make it to the rooftop. Uh, and then uh, uh, eventually... Uh, uh, Greg shows up, right? Yeah, well, Slasher had kicked the ladder down behind him. Pretending that Greg had fallen behind and been bored in some way, shape, or form, he had comforted his wife as she mourned the loss of the other man that she was fucking, which was seemed kinda a little odd up. to me. Kind of, kind of fucked up. Yeah. But Greg is resilient. He comes flying up over the ledge onto the roof, making Slasher look like a real piece of shit. Yeah. But back to Blondie in her store where she is lying on her back. She hallucinates a steamy sexual tryst with Judah Friedlander, who some of us may remember from the first film. Yeah, he actually came back for this scene. And when I when I was watching this, I kind of thought it was somebody else playing the character, but then I realized it was actually him. And this sexy nightmare quickly devolves into puke and maggots. Oh, boy. She wakes up to see a beast fucking a stray cat in the street. And I think we're all both excited and slightly aroused by where this is going. I love when a cat gets treated like a fucking flashlight. Beautiful. Yeah. Are you totally deranged? So from the roof, our heroes can see several beasts roaming the streets. They hear a noise that sounds suspiciously like a baby crying. So, of course, they all decide to go to sleep. (laughs) Yeah, they do fucking nothing about this. Fuck that baby. The next morning, after a night of possibly restless sleep, we see that the baby is trapped in a station wagon that has crashed into a pole or something. I don't know. It's in the street. Sure. But more importantly, our main man, Greg, the true American hero decides that it is his time to take action. Yeah, he decides to uh, straight up Tarzan off of the building, dropping down below a couple stories to this baby. He grabs a rope and swings like fucking Indiana Jones down to the street, boldly approaches the car, finds the baby, tucks it under his arm like a goddamn football, and outruns the beasts, at least... For a while. Yeah, but these beasts are really fast. And they're really big. And they're really hungry. Mm -hmm. So what are you going to do in this situation? Well, he eventually loses his nerve 
and tosses the little shitbag straight up into the air. Ah, but that's after he says, I'm sorry, baby, so that makes it okay. Well, kind of, I guess. Everyone watches in horror as the beasts enjoy their veal. Too bad. Until they start climbing the building looking for more food, and everything goes to hell. Yeah, somehow Greg gets back up there. They barely fight them off and decide that their best bet is to toss a dying biker and her boobs into the street as a distraction. The group totally sacrifices the character known as Splat Girl to the monsters by chucking her off. Is that and her name? Splat Girl. Splat Girl? I'm not sure I caught that. Yeah, it was Splat Girl. Splat Girl. Uh, it made sense because when she hit the pavement, she went splat. splat. But you know what? She was already kind of dead. Slasher was the one that actually came up with this idea to sacrifice this bitch. The thing uh, is, when, when she hit the ground, she did splat and her guts kind of popped out of her abdomen. But then mm-hmm. she stood up and started running and firing her gun and everything, you know, luring the beasts away and down the street anyway. So she did her job. Sure. But uh, I feel like the sacrifice may have been kind of unnecessary mm-hmm. because I could only imagine how much time it took to fasten the uh, catapult that Slasher came up with. Really didn't seem like they had to do that. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, unnecessary. So back to Blondie, who still can't seem to unlock the door to the shop she is trapped in. As oh, she boy. tries, she is surprised by... Bored in the back by the baby beast cat hybrid that was born the night before. What? I have to say, it's probably for good this time, right? Like she's definitely dead, definitely oh, forever. She's, she's, Go to she's, hell. Like, she's, she's, she's gone. She's a goner. Yeah, yeah, completely gone, dead. Yeah, forever. Yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, our heroes are building a catapult out of biker women's clothing. They had to get totally nude just to construct this. I actually don't even know where the leather jackets and pants went into this thing. It seems to be all cables and pipes. Sure. But I'm not complaining. Uh, The fun part about this is that we actually have uh, two of the bikers that are pretty much completely nude for the rest of the movie. Now, originally, that was supposed to happen at the beginning of the movie. Good. And we were going to have all the bikers completely nude the whole time. But I guess Gulliger and company, they didn't want to offend the town people. It was just filmed in a small town. They didn't want to offend anybody by having these nude women walking around the whole time. So they just kind of saved it for the, the third act here. Their intention is to launch a midget to the jail, but first. they need to test it out first. Yeah, so who are we going to test it on? Well, of course, they argue over who to toss. The tiny Lucha Bros wrestle over airmailing their half-alive grandma across the street, understandably. But eventually, Thunder wins. I gotta tell you, man, the fucking grandma that just starts to melt and decompose is amazing. The little noises she makes, the fact that she's, like, still alive while she's decomposing. That shit fucking She's not so happy about the whole thing. Ah, no, no, no. No, she was accepting of it. They had the subtitles where she's like, Ooh, I love you, my child. Ooh, ooh, yes, I accept my fate. Once again, back to Blondie, who is somehow still alive. She's alive? 
She uses Beast Cat's claws to chisel a hole in the glass door, giving her boobs new hope for escape. Damn. Our rooftop refugees pile a sack full of melted grandma onto the catapult and deliver her soul straight to Mexican Jesus. But somehow she survived. Did she? Yeah. There's no fucking way. Dude, when she went splat and dropped, she was still going. Well, that's fucked up. That was awesome. But with a semi-successful test run under their belt, they decide to strap Shadow Cat in and let her rip. (laughs) Unfortunately, he just can't fly high enough this time. (laughs) Because he smacks the pavement, drops the key, and quickly becomes a lunchable for the beasts. Oh, man. And boy, howdy, does he get devoured. At least his lower half does. Oh, my God. You get to see that little dick wiggling. Oh, man, but somehow he, like, is still alive during this. Also, at some point during this whole extravaganza, uh, Greg just eats a broken pipe through the throat. God damn, I love that scene so much. Not totally sure how that happened, but it got him. I think their whole apparatus just fell apart and... He's he's like uh, uh, that one guy from MTV's uh oddities where he has like a lawnmower blade through his head but it's a pipe from a fucking motorcycle i remember that from uh from the max no not the max the one with the head oh the head the head i believe it was called the head yeah it was called the head yeah the head the one guy had the lawnmower blade in his head in the head it was a different head you know, from the head. From the different heads. There's, there's a guy with the, the big like, egg head, and there was the lawnmower yeah. head. Yeah, the guy had the alien in the head, but this other guy had the lawnmower blade head. And that's how this guy is, but with a pipe through his head with the motorcycle through his, his head. They probably the could head. have done like a head spinoff with that guy. With the, they probably could have done a headstand, head. really. Yeah. Yeah. Real head of the family. We Stackpools all have our uh, peculiarities. Oh, Lance is coming. <laughs> and at this point, yeah, would you give me the liberty of finishing this film up for you? My second favorite part of the show. So we all watch on in anticipation as Lightning Solid snakes his way across the street in a garbage can. He retrieves the key and approaches the jail where Hobo is waiting for him with a stick of dynamite. Blondie heads for the train tracks, where a piece of debris cuts her throat. The rooftop door bursts open. Everyone screams because their entire plan went to shit. We prepare for the final epic standoff between man and monster, when all of a sudden we get the goddamn credit. Oh, man. Yeah. I guess they all, uh kind of died or something like we don't really get to see it we don't, don't see know. a conclusion you can only assume that they always got bored right it's or, like uh it's like the last episode pushed. of sopranos it's like what happened to them you know yeah i feel like this is the same unfulfilling conclusion that we yeah. really want yeah, um, they're uh, definitely not going to be a sequel to this also i'm just kidding because blondie and her boobs are still alive Yay! after the credits yeah we'll see you in the sequel feast three 
coming soon, everybody. You know, we'll, oh, we'll, we'll you mean uh, Feast 3, the happy finish? Yeah. yeah. And it's the... Yeah. Hey, Greg. Hey, how do you I feel do. about uh, Feast 2 Sloppy Seconds? Oh, man, oh, man, I tell you what, I absolutely fucking love Feast 2 Sloppy Seconds. I know it's, you do. It's everything from the first movie times 10. You have more gore. You have more zany characters. Instead of a bar, you got a whole fucking small town. You have more monsters more with more unbridled rage, more dangerous. More sexually active. What are you, my dad? Jesus Christ, one of them fucks a cat. Yeah, there may not be a Henry Rollins, but guess what? Clue is back. Uh, Honey Pie is back. You got Biker Mommy, Queen, fuck whoever the shit she is, and her tits are back with more biker babes who get fucking naked at the end. You got skeezy fucking car, used car salesman. Greg, I fucking love this goddamn movie. It's so over the top. It's so zany. Fucking right. I fucking love Feast. I love Feast 2. God damn it. I cannot wait to talk about Feast 3. I'm giving this fucking five out of five scaries, my man. Fantastic. I mostly agree. Yeah. Which is to say, yeah. I entirely agree. <laughs> this might be one of the best films ever put to fucking celluloid. Cellulite, Ever. whatever the word is. Yeah, cellulite. Satin cottage cheese, ma'am. Whereas the first one is more a parody of the genre and follows a lot of the specific tropes. As we've talked about, it's very similar to Demon Knight, which of course is not a bad thing. This one is more of a straight comedy of errors. This yeah. film, you, you really can't predict it. Just everything goes wrong for our group of characters. Nothing is cliche, which I always appreciate when watching a horror film because you just get so tired of the same old shit. Yeah. Piece two is a goddamn masterpiece. Yeah. However, oh. I have to take a couple of points off because they were a little bit insensitive towards the little people. Oh, okay. You know, I felt like it was kind of insulting, a little bit, uh, I don't know, made them kind of the clowns of the film, which that hurts me deeply on the inside as a as a walrus myself yeah but the gore was there the Ooh. tittery was there oh they ate a baby yeah straight up five out of five on this Woo, one. Baby. yeah yeah face two yeah sloppy seconds and i still don't totally understand what that subtitle means there you have it. Greg and Micah gives it the fucking stamp of approval. The five out of five. All you know the what? goddamn around. What? I don't I don't know if this has ever happened before. Did we ever do I, a double five out of five? This is I, a ten out of five. Whoa, dude. Holy fuck. Did I not give the first piece movie a fucking five out of five? I don't fucking care. I wasn't paying attention. Ten out of five. Feast Ten two. out of five, baby. Feast two. Yeah, baby. There you have it. Well, I guess uh, you guys just got to check out our next episode. We're going to bring you a plethora of plethora. trailers. Uh, really? fucking an onslaught of fucking onslaught. news. news. Uh, probably too much news, if you ask me. Huey Always. Lewis won't even see it coming. He's known to be a bit of a walrus. 
Yep, yep. Huey Lewis ate a, a duffel bag full of coke, and he went on to do the album Sports. <laughs> good, good. Yes, 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 yes. So well, with that said, you motherfucker, would you like to give a little bit of a preview, as if it's even necessary, for our next episode? Ah, uh, yeah. It's Feast 3. We're doing Feast it's 3. Feast. It's, we're yeah, going to do Feast go, 3. We're, we're doing yeah, Feast yeah, 3. Yeah, we're doing Feast 3. If it's the fucking holidays. have not figured this out yet, it's, we, yeah. we're, doing, we're doing a whole Feast thing, because if you remember feast, Thanksgiving. Feast, 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 Because you, you eat a lot during the holidays. So we're doing... You do. You get fat. You get fucking sloppy, just like sloppy seconds. Mm. You get fucking happy, like this goddamn happy ending. And, uh, and sometimes uh, we... you show up shirtless. And meth addled at your family's house, and they lock you in a closet. No big deal. Yeah, after they handcuff you, big fucking whoop. Hey, guys, <laughs> get a hold of us at uh, damn that scary pod at fucking Gmail. Check us out on the Twitter. Go yes. buy our fucking t-shirts on Redbubble. Correct. Damn that scary pod. Uh, we're sharing all that shit on our social media. Check us out on Instagram. Damn that scary pod. All right, we're gonna fucking uh, just, 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 just blow your dicks out of the water with all of our shit. But more importantly, love each other. Hey, Greg. Yeah. Careful. Oh. Yeah. Want to make a suggestion? Oh, go ahead. Would you keep it spooky? Adjust for me. <laughs> I will keep it spooky. <laughs> That's scary. I'm such a baby, yeah, the dolphins make me cry, but there's nothing I could do. <gasps> I don't want to be with you. I can't tell you how fucking horny that makes me. Oh. <laughs> Music, money, and... Pussy. I'm Cocaine Bear, give me that. <laughs> okay.